KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning. I'm Eric Anderson in for Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, June 23rd. Families search for missing loved ones. More on that coming up next, but first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego economy could get a big boost if Congress goes along with President Biden's call to suspend the federal gas tax. USD economist Alan Jin says for every penny the price of a gallon of gasoline drops, a million dollars a month is added to the local economy. But he says there's a risk that the savings from suspending the tax won't be passed on to consumers. So that's where the rebate comes in into play. Uh, it, would, it would give all the money to consumers then in that case. Governor Gavin Newsom has proposed a $400 per car rebate, but instead California lawmakers included a $200 per person rebate in the budget they passed last week. But still, that plan is not final. Flu cases continue to decline locally. San Diego County health officials say despite the decline, the number of cases this flu season was much higher than last. There were nearly 4,000 cases this season. The previous flu season, there were fewer than 850 cases. A San Diego conservation group has been awarded money to plant more than 1,500 trees around the county. Urban Corps of San Diego County will get $1.5 million to fund its Tree Corps program. It's a workforce development program that trains and places people in urban forestry careers. The trees will be planted in Vista, Imperial Beach, Escondido, San Marcos, Lemon Grove, Lakeside, and around Cesar Chavez Park. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A group of parents of missing children uncovered a mass grave hidden on the eastern edge of Tijuana last week. And this isn't the first time parents have formed search parties because they don't trust the government to look for their missing children. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis has more. The stench of rotting corpses is so strong that it makes volunteers sick after just a few minutes. So parents take turns digging out the eight bodies they found buried in a ditch. Compañeros, dejen de trabajar poquito. That was Eddie Carrillo, warning volunteers not to spend too much time near the bodies. Carrillo is the founder of a collective called Todos Somos Eric Carrillo. 
It's made up of people who help each other find missing relatives. Carrillo named the collective after his own son, who vanished in 2018 while visiting his mother in Tijuana. Roughly 50 people joined the search party that day. Carrillo says none of them should be out there. That's the government's job. He says government officials are doing nothing, so parents must scour the landscape for their lost relatives themselves. There are currently 12,000 missing people in Baja California. Governor Marina del Pilar Avila says that her administration is prioritizing these cases. The state agency tasked with finding missing persons says it found 90 people last year, compared to just 10 the year before. Critics say that progress is not good enough. Most of the 90 missing people found were dead and accounted for less than 1% of all missing person cases in Baja California. Francisco Osegueda founded the original collective made up of parents missing children back in 2008. He says the agency tasked with finding the missing is underfunded and only has six investigators. That's not nearly enough to find the thousands of missing people in the state, he says. Osegueda says that the government is not conducting thorough investigations. It's emblematic of a larger problem in Mexico, where murders and robberies often go uninvestigated. So why would the government investigate missing people? Despite being less than three years old, Carrillo's collective has more than 400 members. Josefina Martinez joined soon after her son went missing on December 26, 2001. She says state officials assigned an investigator to the case, but no one has ever called her about it. She also says they won't return her calls. And that's a common refrain among members of the search party. Carrillo says police view victims with suspicion. They assume that people who disappear are tied to organized crime or were up to no good. Carrillo says investigators often tell loved one things like, your son runs with the wrong crowd, your husband is a narco, or your uncle is a thug. Raul Cornejo is another member of the collective. He joined in February, shortly after his brother went missing. Cornejo says the collective is like a family. Parents of missing children come together, bonded by the pain. He says they find hope in their shared mission to find their loved ones. It's been nearly six months since he last heard anything about his brother. But Carnejo refuses to give up because doing that would be like admitting that his brother is gone forever. The collective is still waiting to discover the identities of the eight bodies they found last week. Parents submitted DNA samples, hoping to find a match. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. The global monkeypox outbreak is at 3,000 cases worldwide and growing, with at least 156 cases identified in the United States. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says officials are tracking a few cases in San Diego County, but the overall risk remains very low. There was no indication at this time that there's community spread. County Medical Director Dr. Seema Shah says all three cases are tied to international travel and they're not related. The cases are the first known instances of monkeypox in San Diego, and they're part of a larger global outbreak. The virus is from the same family that causes smallpox, and it can lead to rashes and flu-like symptoms. 
oral lesions, like they can be very subtle finding. You know, there's concern that it could look like acne on your arm. CDC officials say it's a much more difficult disease to transmit compared to COVID-19. It requires close physical contact. Touching someone who has active lesions or some of the bodily fluids or there's really very pro- like basically intimate type contact, whether that's physical contact or sexual contact. No one with monkeypox in San Diego has needed to be hospitalized. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Coming up, a new museum dedicated to Chicano art. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Sidewalk vending is now officially regulated in most of the city of San Diego. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer looks at the impact of the new rules. Balboa Park looks like a very different place now that San Diego's street vending ordinance is in effect. There used to be dozens of street vendors sprawled across the park, but on Wednesday, it was difficult to find a single one. Nargis Cotton frequents the park with her family. I love the street vendors. They're elotes always the best. Every time we're here, we make sure to grab one. Um, and the churros, the churros lady is always here. Um, it sucks that they're not here anymore. It's a lot cheaper, honestly, than buying like the $10 Dippin' Dots or something. Park rangers were there to educate vendors, but they're not yet handing out fines. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. In the beach areas, the city's street vending ordinance can't be enforced because the California Coastal Commission still has to approve it. A handful of San Diego Community College students are hard at work saving the environment this summer. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more on the interns chosen to help fight climate change. Just five students from Mesa and Miramar Colleges were accepted as interns at the San Diego State Coastal Marine Institute Laboratory. This summer, they are assisting SDSU PhD candidates in researching marine ecology to prevent climate change effects from getting worse along the California coast. Jessica Griffin is one of the PhD candidates leading experiments and encouraging younger students to enter the field. As climate change becomes more severe, habitat destruction continues. Coastal pollution, especially in urban areas, is still a big concern. So I think that there's going to continue to be a demand. 
Interns are collecting wildlife samples from local bays and the Pacific. By next summer, the SDSU program hopes to accept many more underserved community college students with money from a pending state grant. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. On Saturday, the Cheech Marin Center for Chicano Art and Culture opened in Riverside. Famous for the comedy duo Cheech and Chong, Cheech Marin is an avid collector of Chicano art. The Cheech, as the museum is called, is the first major museum dedicated to Chicano art. And one of the first exhibitions on view is a retrospective of works from local border artists, the Delatore Brothers. As visitors enter the new space, they're also greeted by a two-story sculpture by the brothers. Inar and Hamek Stellatore spoke with KPBS Arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Here's their conversation. So the Cheech has been in the making for a long time. What was it like to be there for the grand opening this weekend? Inar, let's start with you. Well, it's um, it was fruition after being involved with this project for so many years. I mean, it originally got started with the um, National Latino Center from the Smithsonian, and then Cheech picked it up from there. So it's a dovetailed, <laughs> but we're thrilled. And how about you, Hamex? Well, it's a pretty gigantic honor for us to to be the first exhibition for the Cheech Museum, a brand new museum, and a brand new wing of the Smithsonian too. So it's a it's a double edged effort here that brought this to fruition, and we feel very very honored. Can you talk about your work that is currently featured in the Cheech? Well, it's um, almost 30 years uh, of retrospective um, that has uh, taken a long time to compile. So we've been really busy this year. Uh, Some old installations that we have not installed in a decade. Uh, So it's been uh, really interesting to pull out old work and, and, and how we feel. You know, you sort of get to look at how you feel about the work you made 20 years ago or, or 10 years ago. And it's a, a, it, it's a strange feeling seeing your career sort of displayed like that. You've also installed a two-story sculpture. It's lenticular, so the image changes as you move around it. Tell us about this one. Yeah, when the when the architects uh, first approached us about the possibility of installing a permanent piece to the museum, they had decided to open up an atrium because the museum, you might know, it used to be the central library in Riverside. So it's got library-style floors. So when they, they opened this at- atrium, it magically became a, a museum. And it gave us the opportunity to make a two-story high lenticular piece. The lenticular piece that uh, we decided to make is a, a, a homage to an Aztec deity, Coatlicue. Maybe Anna can tell you more about the lenticular process. Yeah, so the lenticular process is a um, an old technology that uses a plastic uh, lens or acrylic lens that has little lines in it. And then you take two images and cut half of it out and leave the same lines and interlace another image. And with that lens, what it does is it acts like a prism where you can see one image, and as you move it sideways, you'll see the other image. Hmm. And do you remember the first time you met Cheech and he showed interest in your artwork? One of the largest installation pieces featured called Oxymodern. He was interested in it, and he was uh, taping Nash Bridges up in San Francisco, living in San Francisco. And we drove our VW bus up there with the piece, assembled it in his living room, and he said, oh, great, I'll take it. And then we proceeded to go out to lunch and uh, found him to be very, very affable, very, you know, interestingly, a very funny guy. So your work has been shown in galleries and museums across the world. What makes the Cheech unique? 
Well, the Cheech is uh, the first self-proclaimed Chicano museum. And uh, we, you know, we've shown as Mexicans, as Americans, as border artists. And in this case, we're uh, as Chicano artists. So it is unique in, 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 that, in that way and in the way that it, it's going to redefine what all of these um, different surnames mean because the Mexican-American, you know, Mexican, parts of the country don't use the word Chicano particularly. Um, there's third generation Mexican in Chicago, for instance. So it'll be really interesting to see how this uh, this museum sort of broadens some of these definitions and, and becomes the, the inclusive museum. And you both are cross-border artists and you work in the San Diego border region. What role would you say the border plays in your artwork? I'm actually talking to you from our studio in Baja and Einar from our place in San Diego. So yes, we are completely cross-border. Later on today, we're both going to work in the studio in Baja. I think that is crossing the border and the realities that we live crossing the border back and forth is probably the most important thing that uh, feeds our work. So as we see ourselves as border artists, probably it's the most comfortable hat that we wear in terms of all the definitions, because we're also uh, glass artists, and many people know us for our blown glass sculpture. So uh, out of all of them, I think that's the one that describes us the best, because the border informs our work quite a bit. It is the ability to see the other place as other, in other words, as like a fish tank, you're you're looking at it from, from the other side. And I think it's a way to see your own culture that you're living in uh, with a different perspective. Local artists Inart and Hamex de la Torre speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon Evans. Their work is on view at the Cheech Marin Center for Chicano Art and Culture. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Eric Anderson. Debbie Cruz will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.